Welcome to the Utah Episcopalians, a podcast of the Diocese of Utah, where we examine our church in this unique land of Utah. Well, today our topic is one that's a topic on America's mind, gun violence. Our expert is the Right Reverend Scott B. Hayashi, the Bishop of the Diocese of Utah and an advocate for gun violence prevention. And I believe today he's going to be speaking some as an individual and some also for the church because the church does have quite a history in uh, gun violence. And as Bishop, you can address some of that. Um, and that's a good place to start. And that is the church has been involved in the gun violence issue for decades. Can you kind of bring us up a little bit of how long it's been and kind of what the church's stands has been on that? Uh, starting in 1972, the Episcopal Church has been working on this uh, and deliberating on this um, a as a collective body. And things that, that we have said regarding a policy of the Episcopal Church is we support handgun purchaser licensing. We implement laws. We support the implementation of laws to decrease gun violence, which includes permits to carry concealed weapons, criminal background checks for every gun purchase, including those made at gun shows. We say tighten laws against gun trafficking, uh, ban the importation and manufacture of full auto conversion kits that convert um, guns into automatic weapons, prohibit persons from purchasing guns without evidence of gun safety training, promote funding for research and the prevention and cause of gun violence, urge the appropriate departments and agencies of the U.S. governments to prohibit the export of handguns, remove handguns and assault weapons from our homes and other residential communities, express concern about the availability of handguns and assault weapons, earn, re urge restrictions on sale, ownership, and use of firearms, including increased restrictions on the sale, ownership, and use of firearms, particularly Saturday night specials, um, and develop regulations to delineate appropriate safety standards for the use of firearms. Now this and much more I could actually report on, uh, which the Episcopal Church has as a body, as a body I say, um, taken the stance on. So as I, as I speak about those matters then, um, it is not m just me. It, it is the stance of the Episcopal Church, period. Do you think that the church was somewhat a voice in the wilderness in those days? I mean, 50 years ago, um, gun control, and I guess we can sum it up as some form of gun control wasn't really popular and um, churches tended to not take a position on that. Uh, was the Episcopal Church somewhat unique in that? I don't know if we were the only ones, um, but I believe that given the time element that you mentioned, uh, we were certainly one of the first. So, uh, and it's a much stronger stance than many of the other uh, denominations and traditions. Um, so I'm very happy and proud, proud of that. Now, we're in the West and as we know, even in our legislative bodies, Congress, often the urban areas in the east are a little more pro-gun control and it's states such as Utah, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, Nevada that maybe have a differing a viewpoint. In your um, position as Bishop of Utah, have you discovered that uh, the Utah Diocese has been um, pretty much in line with what you all mentioned this whole long list of, of really progressive gun control legislation. The Diocese of Utah most certainly has been. Um, and there is general agreement across the entire diocese. We have some places where people are more uneasy about it. 
Um, but I believe there is a recognition across the diocese that we have um, a challenge most certainly. And we also have distributed um, the uh, signs that are needed to put place in congregations that say, please do not bring firearms into this building. Uh, so we, we did all of that, and that was done before I was ever the bishop here. So I believe that in regard to the Diocese of Utah itself that uh, we, we agree with these stances. Now, we also need to remember that also the majority of people in, the, in Utah, and I'm speaking uh, not just about the, the Episcopal Church, but rather the entire population of Utah, the majority of people support universal background checks. Um, so it's not just us uh, regarding that one element. Um, the people themselves have said this over and over again. The only people that don't seem to agree with this are in their legislature. You, as an individual, has, um, have been a frequent guest on our legislature, uh, testifying on um, issues I can recall, certainly on... Um, 18-year-olds with being able to carry guns, things like this, that you have been in the forefront. Um, have you taken a personal viewpoint, or do you, you, you find that um, you, you certainly, in some of these, represent yourself as an individual, and sometimes as the church, um, is it a comfortable position to take up there, do you find? Well, it's comfortable for me. Uh, in that sense, it's not as if I, I am concerned at all of saying something up there at the leg at these hearings uh, that I know runs counter to the opinions of many in the room. So I don't find that discomforting whatsoever. Uh, I believe it's the stance that I need to take, uh, not only as the bishop, because I represent the Episcopal Church at large, as well as the diocese. Um, and since these are the stances that the Episcopal Church has taken, then I'm very comfortable with that. And as far, again, as my own personal uh, feelings on the matter, I happen to agree with that, uh, with the stances. So I don't have any real discomfort um, being the one that says these things. I suppose in all the areas, and, and certainly in the area of social justice and the church, we get into a situation of people say, well, wait a minute, church, state, legislature, what you're doing as a church, what um, we're doing as a legislature, uh, is it imperative that our modern church be involved in such issues of social justice as passionately been expressed in the general conventions? It is paramount for the church to do exactly that. Now, what the church cannot do is the church cannot come out and say, we support so-and-so um, to be the next president, the next governor, the next senator. Uh, we cannot take that stance and support an individual candidate. But regarding uh, concerns or issues, then the church has a role to play in that in many ways in many ways throughout history, the church has been the conscience of the society or culture. And if the church refuses to, to take that role and responsibility to be the conscience, um, then we are shirking, I think, uh, a, fundamental, a fundamental responsibility of the church. It's interesting, in our state, there are many people that um, you say do support background checks or increase, huh. and we do know that from virtually every poll, that an overwhelming number, and, and not just people that don't own guns, but people that do own guns and are responsible. If you're an Episcopalian or you're not, what can you do? Um, you're, you're one voice at the legislature. 
what can we do to be effective? And I think that's what so many people in these conversations are wondering, how you can take the views of a majority of this state and have those reflected in the hearings, in the legislature, as you are an advocate for. What's your advice as an advocate, as a church leader? Well, in the New Testament, Jesus talks about the importance of persistence. He tells the story about the widow who, who begs for justice and keeps pleading with the judge for justice, and it doesn't happen, but the judge finally gives in, so there's persistence, and I believe that that's what is required here, persistence, continuing to show up, continuing to uh, write letters, make phone calls, uh, and also voting for people who support um, the stance that you have. Uh, as opposed to continuing to support people who are the opposite stance. So that says that we have the responsibility to basically show up um, and be persistent. And then the question that you ask um, to be effective, well, it depends on what you mean by effective. If effective means we've changed everything, then the answer is I don't think I've been effective on much of anything at all, frankly. But rather to be persistent and to keep hammering away. And incrementally, these changes, these changes happen but it takes a long time. In many issues of social justice, and you've been a part of others that we're not really using as our topic today, Medicaid expansion, uh, certainly some poverty issues, we'll see a number of faith leaders when it comes to gun control, gun legislation, um, there are not as many who stand behind the banner. Um, and is it something that you also try to organize among faith community to get more involved or is it something again that almost like the Episcopal Church was a voice in the wilderness do you feel at times that even among faith communities in Utah the Episcopal Church is somewhat unique no I don't think that at all you know there there's certain clergy and other traditions who show up and do this um, the difference between let's say um, the Episcopal Church and let's say the Baptist Church, for instance, is they don't have a bishop. Um, they, in other words, um, they don't have the same structure, so there's no real denominational head here. Uh, in regard to the Roman Catholic Church, we do have a denominational head, but they've been active in this as well. Uh, regarding the Presbyterians, they've been active, uh, but again, they don't have the denominational head here, where the Episcopal Church, the LDS Church, or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and the Roman Catholic Church all have the respective heads of their um, traditions present. And so because of that, when, when I show up, um, it's, it's different regarding that. But this doesn't mean that other clergy of other traditions have not shown up. They have. I think in some cases I get more attention just because I happen to be the bishop um, of the denomination here in the state of Utah. But I would never, never say that I'm the only one. One thing I want to ask you. What is it that you hope to accomplish? I know looking at your past uh, uh, conversations in, in the video that you've done, in a lot of your writing, you're looking for something even before we get legislation. You're looking for conversation is the word you are using. Why is that important? What is that that you have really dedicated your, uh, your gun violence advocacy um, to bring groups together, to bring even groups that are opposing perhaps your views in conversation. Why is that important to you? 
the only way we're going to accomplish anything, frankly, is through relationships. Um, and the concern about gun safety um, really is, is part of a much larger piece which deals with simply safety, period. Um, in fact, that's one of the things that I think has bogged us down in our conversations. The issue of uh, reducing violence committed with firearms, you could say, is a subset of violence in general. Um, and, and, you, and for me, um, I understand that very dynamic, that it's only part of a much larger, larger piece. And indeed, we try to reduce the violence committed with firearms itself is, is a complex. So I think what happens really is, is this. For instance, right now, uh, we have the president talking about red flag laws. And red flag laws, laws are those uh, which would provide the means by which the state um, could remove guns from the home of a person who is, well, um, certainly a threat. Okay, now that has to be worked out. What, what does that really mean? Perhaps they had a restraining order placed on it. Perhaps there's been a history of violence. Um, but the president has been uh, pushing for um, red flag laws. And indeed, the legislators uh, on the federal level in Utah have, have said the very same thing. Now, the question that one could ask is, is this a bad thing? Uh, in other words, <coughs> um, because as soon as the president has said this, I think there are people out there saying, well, that won't, that's not enough. That won't do anything. Well, the answer that I would give to that is, do I think that red flag laws would stop all gun violence or stop all mass shootings? No, I don't. However, I think it might help. So since it would help, why not support it? Do I think that universal background checks will stop it all? The answer is no. Um, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't try and, and then support it. Um, some people say that the problem is, is mental illness, which I disagree because most mentally ill people are not violent. Um, but if one believes that we need to help with the mental health system in the country, I'm all for it. Uh, so in other words, uh, we, have, uh, we all have things which we say uh, would help and all I'm saying is if one firmly believes that what needs to happen in this country is to, is to enhance the mental health system, because as we know, when Ronald Reagan was president, he pretty much got rid of the mental health system, oh, not completely, but he put a lot of people out on the street that needed real care. Uh, so if, if we believe that that is, would be helpful, then by all means, advocate for and work for it if a person thinks that what uh, the problem is, is is racism, then by all means, work on that. If we think it's social inequalities, by all means, work on that, because all of these things would help. So what I think happens is we start arguing about what is the most effective means instead of simply saying, if you really believe that that's what would help, then by all means, do it. Don't try to stop me, however, from doing what I'm doing, because we're trying to stop and help provide for uh, the safety of all of us. Uh, and right now, um, I've had more and more conversations with the millennials uh, who have children. And they are very concerned about the fact that their children will be going to school and who knows what might happen when they're in school. Um, so 
right now I think we have a moment in time, well, we've had plenty of moments in time, frankly, when we are facing into um, a time when there is, frankly, no such thing as a safe city. There's no such thing as a safe school. There's no such thing as a safe theater. There's no such thing as a safe shopping center. Um, and the only question that comes with that with, for me is, well, then what do we need to do about it? What can't we agree to do about it? And maybe we can't agree uh, universally on one thing. And frankly, even if we did, that one thing would not stop at all. So do I believe, for instance, that if we got rid of all the guns that we would stop mass killing? I don't believe that at all because someone will find another way. You know, in Japan, they had a fellow with a gas can dousing the building and lighting it on fire, for goodness sakes. Um, you have a person with a machete. Um, do I think if we stopped all of the, um, uh, of the sale of firearms that would cure the problem of violence or suicide? Because I think, what, 60% of the suicides are done with a handgun. Um, the answer is, no, I don't. People would still find another way. But it would help. It would help. And so that is what I think needs to happen, is for us to have the kind of conversations and simply agree um, with one another that each person, no matter where they're coming at this from, um, would is contributing to the whole. Um, so I, I'm in support of, of all of these things, such as gun safety training, requiring a cooling off period from the time that you purchase a weapon to receiving the weapon, because as I said, the person can go and buy the weapon, go home and shoot himself in the head. But maybe if they had to wait 48 hours, they would have done that. Um, all of these things can, would contribute to it, as opposed to simply saying, we've got to get rid of all the guns. You bring up a point that um, I've observed, as um, many know, the bishop has um, created a mechanism where various gun prevention groups, including uh, law enforcement, meet on a regular basis at the uh, diocese um, to discuss various parts of gun violence. We often look at gun violence as these horrible, just unthinkable mass shootings, but it involves everything from suicide on. And, and I know it, um, one of the most recent gatherings that was held here discussed on um, suicide that uh, particularly among males that uh, guns are used and unfortunately there's really no going back from a gunshot whereas um, some other forms of suicide they've been able or attempts to have um, reversed and do you do you think that sometimes we get so involved in in these terrible shootings that become front page news that we forget some of these really other parts of gun violence, like we looked at the same time we had these mass shootings, we had 40 people shot in the city of Chicago that same weekend, and that's a mass shooting, although it was done by 40 different individuals. Are we kind of um, focusing gun violence based on reaction to one thing and not really looking at the whole picture? Oh yes, of course we are. Um, it's the mass shootings that attract the most press and most attention. Um, and it also is one in which, um, I think mistakenly so, people feel the most threatened by. Um, the greatest threat, frankly, in my opinion, is the suicide, the use of firearms and suicide, and the domestic violence situations. Um, and suicides, as you pointed out, are mainly uh, white male, um, have the largest percentage, and in domestic violence, it's mainly women uh, who are being abused and threatened and hurt by men. 
and those are reported, but we don't give as much attention to them because they're not as fantastic, let's say, or, or, or um, don't command the, the space on a newspaper page or whatever. So we, we kind of lose sight of those things. But we are losing many more people to suicide and domestic violence situations than we are with mass killings. One thing that um, I know that you have been active and have uh, met with the, uh, the Episcopal uh, group that works with legislatures on, uh, on a national level, the uh, Office of Government Relations. And it was interesting, I know a comment that they made that um, they're walking in into an environment of where there are lobbyists uh, who are offering um, money to PACs, to campaigns, they're walking in with uh, humanitarian concepts that don't bring with them the cash of a donation. As an advocate who is representing a faith and some of your individual views, how is it that on a state legislature, you have that same issue, we have legislators who have um, been given great donations by gun, the, the, let's say the opponents. I mean, we can call the NRA various other gun people. Do you have a chance, do you feel as a faith leader walking in that you are walking into a legislator that um, has had a pack that has uh, supplied a great deal of money? You're not bringing money, you're bringing what you believe and what the church believes are concepts that can stop gun violence. Well, I think there is a sort of jaded sense I in that. Um, if the legislator, frankly, is only interested in getting money, then I think we've got the wrong legislator. Um, and I don't believe, frankly, uh, that our legislators in Utah are that kind of uh, people. Um, and I think when we appeal to them, it's not just me, it's others as well, without, without bringing a, a sack load of cash for their campaign, uh, they listen because I think for many of them, they got into it for that very reason, to do what's right. Um, and what's interesting is that most of the legislators, I believe, with the exception of a handful probably, um, are very much more in the center on most issues. It's just that when they vote, they tend to vote on um, the more of what we would call um, uh, conservative side on matters. But if you speak with them individually, you find out, no, actually, they're, they're much more in the middle. Now, the dilemma that I have and what I've been trying to understand is, well, if you really are in more in the middle on this, then why not support something that would be a middle ground approach? Um, and I don't really have the answer to that. But just in conversation, I happen to know that um, many people are really much more moderate in their opinion. If you look at our issues of social justice, civil rights, you look at um, gender equality, much of the LGBTQ legislation, it started with, um, or it certainly was catalyst, was faith-based people. Sometimes it was marches, sometimes it was organizations, certainly the religious leaders in civil rights are world famous, starting with Dr. Martin Luther King. Um, the faith communities rose up and the Episcopal Church and other churches joined in, sometimes not at the beginning, but certainly joined in. 
is this a moment for faith communities to actually make a difference? The moment is almost now. I mean, we've had so many moments, frankly. And so if, if you're asking the question, is this the time when it's going to happen? The answer is, I don't really know. Um, I just know that we need to continue to make a witness. I think we have things um, at play because of the, of actually the three recent mass shootings in California, uh, in Texas, and in Ohio. Um, three, three right in a row. Um, if the pattern follows uh, that, that we've seen in other situations, there'll be a lot of talk and nothing gets done. Do I think that's what's going to happen? I certainly hope not. But do I think this is the moment when we have um, a chance? The answer is yes, I think we have a chance once again. I think we've had many opportunities and chances. Um, is there something different about this moment? I think, I think we have a more of a convergence of things um, because we've had the three shootings uh, following back-to-back -back seemingly upon uh, one another. We have the element of, of certainly um, people, I think, waking up to say the United States is, has really taken a turn in a dangerous direction. And I think we also have, as I said, uh, more millennials who are really concerned for the simple safety of their children at school. And so I think we have a convergence of a number of factors. Does that mean this would be the moment when things happen? The answer is, I don't really know. I just know that um, I'll continue doing what I do. I hope, it, I hope so, um, but that doesn't mean I think it, it, it's guaranteed, but we have an opportunity. When people turn and there's been a horrible gun violence incident, uh, whether local or national, and uh, it's become the cliche now, the thoughts and prayers versus the action, um, I guess I probably can guess what your view is on thoughts and prayers versus action. I think you need both. Um, I have nothing against thoughts and prayers. In fact, I would hope many people would do exactly that um, and that they would also take corresponding action to write their legislator, um, basically to show up and do more, show up at the voting booth. Thoughts and prayers are vitally important. As a person who's had people praying for um, me in certain situations, I know the support that gives. So I would certainly urge people to continue those thoughts and prayers. Uh, and to show up when you need to show up as well. Certainly the faith community will continue to debate this at coffee hours among itself and hopefully at the legislature. And I know you uh, have witnessed that our legislature, particularly in Utah, is very accessible and will read um, comments given to them. Uh, no matter what side of the uh, aisle they're on, we all know that the legislature is very open on its public hearings. You've been at a number of them. It's not hard to go to. It's not hard to get registered to be heard. And I know you would advocate that we have people of faith, people of uh, what all views take part of it. Uh, certainly in the legislature will be in session before you know it. And I would imagine you want to see others up there from our church, from other churches. and making sure that the faith community is living those words of Jesus of becoming involved. Yes, and we have a coalition of folks that work on gun safety related issues, which meets here at the uh, Episcopal Church Center in Utah. Uh, we meet uh, quarterly and we bring together people from different groups. Um, 
Moms Demand Action, uh, Gun Violence Prevention Center, um, you know, uh, Bulletproof Kids, uh, and legislators as well, uh, Alliance for a Better Utah. We bring people from all different sectors together to continue conversation and to learn about upcoming bills that will be, uh, you know, at the legislative session. And so all that information is certainly going to be available and continues to be available. So there is a need, and it is something that frustrated people can become involved and actually make a difference. You've been listening to the Utah Epoch Capellians, our special guest, the Right Reverend Scott B. Hayashi, the Bishop of the Diocese of Utah, and I'm Craig Worth. Thanks for listening.